At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome into the program. It's Betting Across America, and we are presented by BetMGM. I'm Mike Pritchett, your host out here live from Las Vegas. Your other host, James Salinas, is live from Denver, Colorado. Uh, James, Major League Baseball underway, some day games. We got the Dodgers and the Pirates uh, going at it. Uh, rain delay, uh, top of the eighth inning. Dodgers lead 6-3. to three. Um, We got the Brewers and the Reds, 7-2 to in the eighth uh, bottom of the ninth, uh, 1-1 Phillies and Braves, uh, Mariners, Tigers, uh, the Tigers lead this one 8-3. to Any plays uh, going on for you right now? I didn't play any of these games this morning. Sometimes a lot of these morning games, sometimes depending on my avail- availability to be able to break in and, and dig into some of the matchups, I typically don't look for overnight lines. I know a, a lot of uh, a lot of smart money likes to jump on those those opening lines and get on those overnight lines. I'm typically not one of those because for me, I want to see who is in the lineup. Lineups are a big factor to me, especially now we've got a lot of injuries going through. We're a couple months into the season, so lineups, matchups versus pitch. Sometimes some of these early starts for me, especially out here on the in the mountain time zone, they get started a little bit early for me, depending on my day. So I didn't get involved with any of these games that are currently going here. Although I'm looking at this uh, this Cincinnati Milwaukee game, and uh, and to no surprise here, uh, Castillo got tagged around again, another three earned runs in less than six innings. He only gave up one home run. He must have gave up a dinger, but gave up three walks again. But then here we go with another bullpen situation where it was a close game. Cincinnati had the lead going into the sixth. They go into the bullpen, and there goes the lead. And Brewers now 7-2, to two, giving up uh, another base hit here. They've given up six runs in the last three innings through eight. Yeah, you know what, James? I mean, uh, I, I love betting baseball. I really do. Uh, but the controversy surrounding it right now, uh, is: do you, are you pausing or uh, maybe taking a second or third look at some of these games in these situations? A second and third look. I haven't okay. completely paused, but the, 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 over the weekend, I don't, we talked about that with the uh, last week when we heard about the spin rates and, and mm-hmm. all the things that were being affected by the grip, the the spider pace, whatever that stuff is that they're <laughs> utilizing here. You know, if something not, tacky. If you ain't cheat, yeah, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. They've been doing that for a long time now. Different substances used to be the uh, the Vaseline under the cap and a variety of other things, emery boards and certain players' back pockets, and we've seen a lot of things go on in, in throughout Major League baseball it's just a matter of I, I think for me to really find out I just don't know what we're going to see with pitchers when it comes to uh, are they going to heed the warning now they were there was the memo that went out prior to the season starting uh, that 
foreign substances were going to be frowned upon. But what is the repercussion? I think until we actually see somebody get pinched for this and we see what the repercussion is to a pitcher, is it 10 days? Is it is it 50 games? What is that going – well, how is that going to impact a pitcher as far as the suspension and ultimately affect their, their wallet, right, affect their pocketbook? Uh, what is that going to look like if there's going to be any impact? And maybe some of these higher-level pitchers that are messing with those, we've heard some interesting – uh, interesting quotes coming out of Garrett Cole, who uh, doesn't really know how to answer that because obviously it's happening, but right. it's not just him. It's running rampant across Major League Baseball. Uh, that's part of it. And I think the other part, too, is, you know, over the last few years, they've tampered with the ball and mm-hmm. and whether they're, in a sense, taking the air out of the ball or raising the seams on the ball to to get more distance and or better grips for the pitchers and or less or lower seams. So it's harder to grip and you see the ball flying out more just makes it hard because then you're thinking all these other factors that we don't know yet we still want to bet on it so right. i'm still i'm still playing some but i'm going more so with certain pitchers that i can at least have full not that i know but don't suspect as much that they've been tampering the ball and they've been pitching well so far this season yeah i mean garrett cole i mean that guy um spin rate and no spin rate uh spider tack or no spider tack i mean he was dealing uh and then you're not going to diminish uh jacob de either i mean there's some there's some dominant pitchers out there uh the rosin bag i mean are we going to check that next too uh, everything around the mound. Uh, so I, it becomes suspect, but yet uh, it throws a wrench into things. And I was just curious about, you know, from a betting perspective, how you were approaching all that. Uh, certainly with the controversy, uh, we're going to get into it a little bit later on in the program, too, because of all the discussion of players uh, speaking up because they think this is affecting their money. Uh, so this goes deeper uh, than just uh, uh, everybody else kind of complaining about spin rates. Uh, so this is definitely going to be a factor, uh, something to consider uh, when we're looking at betting uh, baseball this season. Indeed believes less is more. That's why they have powerful tools to help you source, screen, and hire quality people faster. Learn more at Indeed.com slash credit. Welcome into the program. It's Betting Across America, and we are presented by BetMGM. Mike Pritchard, James Salinas with you today. Uh, James, the NBA playoffs, I love talking player props with you uh, because you give me uh, so much to think about when we're considering games too. So uh, considering game three, Bucks uh, and the Nets, uh, let's go over some of these player props. Uh, you know, maybe if we don't have a side yet, uh, let's get to Brooklyn because Durant, he's been in the news, you know, whether he called out or said something to another NBA player who's on the TV uh, for a network. And uh, Durant, he's sitting at 32 and a half player props. Uh, I, you know, you watch Durant, he's got that instinct. Uh, to me, something you can't stop him either. So I don't know if you're inclined. I might be inclined here to play Durant over 32 and a half, nine and a half rebounds, uh, five and a half assists, three and a half three pointers as well. Thinking about this game for game three, if you were playing Durant's prop total, his point total in the last game, missed it by a half a point. I think it was 32 and a half, and he had 32, I believe. Yeah, he sat down. But then it was a 
but then it was a blowout, mm-hmm. right? And it was a one-way street. What a bl- what a blowout that was. I mean, at one point, I know they lost what thirty-nine points. They were down. I think they were down fifty at one point. Just talk about no effort and and no heart coming out of the Bucks. Now, where's the competitive pride for this team to show up now at home in Game Three? I suspect we'll see it tonight from the Bucks. But thinking about Durant and his approach to the game hasn't been settling as much for threes, and sometimes it, it, he and he tends to do that sometimes, and he'll go by the matchups and I think when Harden was out there he kind of let Harden, Harden was the facilitator and kind of let Harden just kind of run the show and he would take his touches and, and occasionally when shoot that three but he has been very aggressive he hasn't really been getting to the free throw line a lot more mid-range games and or just finishes right at the rim but very aggressive so far with his shot selection from that standpoint and I think here again a game that we suspect will be closer the point spread will dictate that although the point spread went in favor of Milwaukee for whatever reason in game too and uh, so I wouldn't let the, let's let's not let the, di- the 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 current nine kind of dictate where we think the tempo of this game is going to go and I think for Durant I was looking a little further down the de- down the prop list and looking at at Kyrie Irving again okay and because I did I did have an assist prop with him in that last game but he didn't see the floor enough because it was <laughs> such a one way street and a runaway didn't have to play as many minutes now yeah they'll come in fresher for this game but he right now is assist total sitting at six and a half. Now, thinking that you're going to see more, you're going to see more of of KD and Irving on the floor tonight because they will be on the road. You're going to lean on your all stars, or in this case, your superstars and your veteran players on the road, as opposed to some of the minutes we've been seeing coming off the bench for Brooklyn. I think this is where Irving stepping in. We know he can score, but he also has the ability to create shots for others, and he will be the lead facilitator because Harden is going to be out again for Game Three, sitting at just six and a half assists with the scoring capacity of what we've seen out of Brooklyn, especially shooting the basketball against the Bucks team that is going to try to take away drives of the paint and make you have to drive and drive, drive, draw, dish, and kick for three. I think there's going to be opportunities for open shots again for the Bucks or for the Nets players. I'm looking at Irving, okay, Rich at six and a half assists. I think he exceeds that because he's going to get plenty of minutes on the right. floor and plenty of opportunities to do so. You know, uh, the plan going into it, too, for Milwaukee was probably to let Giannis guard Durant. He can't do that right now. Uh, so maybe he's tried to double him and open up somebody else. Kyrie maybe on ball more without Harden on the floor. Uh, 28 and a half points uh, right now uh, in the playoffs. He's averaging about 24 and a half points uh, per game. Four and a half rebounds. Uh, there too for Kyrie, uh, six and a half assists too. I mean, you were highlighting that one as well. I like the assist piece and mm-hmm. maybe the three pointers where it's under three and a half, okay. considering that he is going to be the facilitator now. Yeah, how is the approach for the Bucks going to be against Durant? Are you going to double? They're going to need to help. And right, you're going to have to whether that's trying to deny him. That my thing would be, I would, I would try, I would just take whether it's yeah, I'm probably not Giannis. I'm, depending on who they would put on him, so you're just going to check him and if, eyes to chest, ear to chest tonight. Don't let him catch the basketball instead of worrying about help defense off of Durant. I still don't understand why some these coaches just don't completely deny these players the ball as as best as they can. But here, thinking about Irvin, that the three and a half points for Irving, uh, three pointers, I don't know if he's going to take that many shots. I'm not really sure. That one's a tough one for me. I think I'd okay. be going under. Not that he can't make it and mm-hmm. hit four of those threes. I just don't know if the attempts are going to be there because I think he's going to be looking to be more aggressive, trying to facilitate the offense, draw some defenders to him by putting the ball on the deck, getting to the rim, making that attempt, and being able to kick it out. That's why they, I like the assistant. I guess it's kind of correlated in the fact that I don't think he'll be taking as many three-pointers and then have to make 
four of them to beat you, that's quite a tall task. Okay, then on the other side, I mean, in order to gain confidence for the Bucks, I mean, Giannis is going to have to score. I mean, you're not going to gain confidence defending Durant. Uh, so his prop right now, 33.5 points, uh, James, 12.5 uh, rebounds, and 5.5 and assists for the Greek Freak. I think right now that would be the only point player point prop for the Bucks team that I'd be looking to play over. Yeah, Giannis is going to be they're not he's not going to be like, well, we got to get Chris Middleton involved, we got to <laughs> get his confidence up and let him feel good. You know, get your hug before the game starts. Get that square that away at home or get it done in the locker room. So you're going to have to step out on the court and step up and perform tonight. And th- this is winner go home in a sense for the Bucks down 0-2 going home. You lose tonight, definitely the party's over for the Bucks and it's going to be you got to go to your 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 all star and you're a superstar here with Giannis and got to be aggressive and he's been aggressive he's been very aggressive getting the ball to the basket I think sometimes he does settle too much from the outside shot because that's what they're going to let him have and they're going to play off and play play to his strong side play to his strong hand but I think that's the only point total I could be I don't want to I don't want anything to do with Middleton and he maybe this is it he's at home maybe he feels more comfortable but with that temperamental confidence I don't want to bet that at least I don't want to bet that over for sure at 22 and a half there's nothing that he's done right now that says and maybe he does have the breakout game because he is at home, and maybe we don't see as much energy and intensity out of the Nets in the focus, kind of similar to what we saw in Game 3 to in that Boston series where kind of took, you know, they, they took the night off on the defensive end, and, and Tatum went wild and crazy, and it's not like the Nets are a great defensive team, right. but right now I just don't trust where we're at with, with Middleton to be able to, to score. I'm not going to bet it. I'm, I'm just laying off of him. I think Giannis is the only one that I could play right now at 33 and a half to play over for the Bucks, Right. I was considering Holiday. Uh, I mean, you're talking about all-star type player there. Uh, and, okay, he needs to show up. Giannis got happy uh, when they made uh, the, the transaction r- right there to get him. So 19.5 points, 5.5 rebounds. Uh, he's averaging, what, eight assists right now. That props 6.5 assists uh, for Holiday. Well, Holiday, I think with Holiday, it's been very it's, – it's feel like the, what's happened to the Bucks is they've gone ISO again, and it gets yeah. a ball stopper. Whether it goes to Giannis because he's not trying he's, – he's starting up, whether it's above the, above the key or it's off free throw line extended where he's catching the basketball off the elbow and trying to drive. He's not playing with his back to the basket. He's not trying to create any kind of post position. It's just I'm going to beat you to the – beat you off the bounce and lift up and get over you. But it becomes a lot of standing and watching, and that's what I feel like I'm seeing out of Brooklyn or out of the – out of the Bucks right now offensively is it's a lot of ISO basketball and thinking about Holiday, he has the ability to facilitate as well and thinking about his assist total, but he was looking more, I think, to, to try to get to the rim and to score in that last game, but ultimately didn't have as many minutes because they got so far behind then it just became a, a one-on-one affair, so I'm not really liking what I'm seeing out of the Bucks offense, at least through the first two games. I'm not really sure what to expect from Holiday. That one's a, uh, that, it's a mystery for me right now with the Bucks offensively outside of Giannis. Who's going to step up and shoulder that load? I don't trust Middleton and his his fragile confidence. And Holiday has the ability to get to the rim, and he does. He has the ability to get to the rim and score, but I feel like he's going to be more aggressive trying to score as opposed to to uh, to feeding the ball off. I think he wants to, to coming back home here now and establish himself as, I'll be that second scorer. If Middleton's not ready to step up yeah. and meet that challenge, Holiday's got some dog in him, and I like the kid. I think he's a, he's a competitor. I think, if anything, I'd be looking to play his point total over as opposed to his assist total. Okay, I'm stealing that. Fragile, what was it? Fragile uh, fragile confidence? 
As, yeah, For uh, Middleton? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is right now. It's, it's really yeah, no. temperamental, I think, right? right? It's based on if he's feeling good and did he get his hug before the game. I'm tired of it. Seeing these guys, step up, man. You're in the playoffs. Uh, I hear you. I, I'm right there with you, James Salinas. I'm right there with you. Uh, Clippers and the Jazz. Because uh, uh, there's other words you could say for fragile uh, confidence. Uh, but, you you know, you clean it up and, and you were nice about it. Uh, Pritch, uh, it's a, Pritch, it's a family, it's a that's family right. betting show. That's right. right? Yes. That's right. I got to remember that. Uh, <laughs> Clippers, Jazz, we got Leonard, Kawhi, uh, 27.5 points, 7.5 rebounds, uh, 4.5 points. Uh, PG, 23.5 points, uh, 7.5 rebounds, 4.5 assists as well. PG just hasn't been – it's kind of the same thing here with, with the Clippers and what we've been seeing offensively. Now, when, when Kawhi is engaged, and he, especially when he's driving to the basket, when he has the energy to drive to the basket, I think that's the biggest question mark for me. We've seen it. We know he's got plenty of dog in him, and he's going to be a competitor, and, and that championship pedigree that he brings with him, he can take over a game against any team, anywhere, anytime. That's just who he is. But what have we seen out of Paul George? Another one. I mean, he shot four out of 17 the other night in Utah. Another player mm-hmm. who, you know, he's he's playing. He's he's not going to be the lead scorer. He's not the lead facilitator here now. And he has to spend a lot of energy on the defensive side. Four out of 17 from the floor. He played average nearly 42 minutes per game in that Mavericks series. Bet against him a couple times on his, on his point props. Now, I think it was like that game seven was like 24. Five and a half. It was way too high. That was never going to happen. That was a, and he's maybe he got 20, but I think that's probably where I'd look. I'd probably look if we're looking at the point totals for the Clippers tonight, Pritch. I think it's got to be Kawhi Leonard. Leonard knows this is the game. They got to have this game, right. and it's going to start with him. He's the champion on this ball club. 27 and a half points versus George at 23 and a half, who's, I think, got some t- Both teams, I think both those players got tired legs, but Leonard's got the heart to be able to pull through it and suck it up and, and still get his, find his way to the rim. Uh, and fight through that, but as as opposed to George, I'd be going that way. I'd like Leonard over the 27 and a half and correlate it against George and go the other way under 23 and a half for Paul George tonight. You know what? I, I agree with you on that too because uh, you know looking at that game uh, game one, I was impressed by Utah and how they closed out on some of those shots. And certainly, uh, I don't know if Kawhi panicked at the end there. Uh, they did not get a good look, did not get off a good shot. Uh, I wonder if that's sustainable, though, for Utah. And then on the other side, uh, Mitchell goes off. Uh, they want to shoot the three, and yet the Clippers, you know, I don't know if they challenge them as much uh, out there on the perimeter takes energy i mean you got to extend yeah. you've got to extend when you're talking about that perimeter defense and especially when it's it's almost feels like a five out when they pull gobert out and he's running high ball screens it really is five out offense and so you've got to be conscious of the drive i think that's why i didn't get involved with this because when you okay. have mitchell and then you have conley on the other side where mitchell doesn't have to be the lead facilitator and he can save some energy offensively where he can let conley bring the ball up let conley roll through those ball screens and facilitate and then run the sets when Mitchell's when they're ready to run specific sets for Mitchell to do that but it helps kind of take some of that load off of Mitchell when it comes to the energy expended on the offensive side now yeah I mean Mitchell is he's going to do what he does because there is no Conley out there yeah it is a team that shoots three pointers and Clarkson never met a a touch that he didn't want to launch from three (laughs) or from anywhere on the floor when he gets it but I think here it's it's probably Mitchell again it's I, I don't I think that's what all also hurts not only the facilitation with Conley being gone, but then you see Ingles out there, and 
I'm all for old man ball, like guys that play below the rim, but no athleticism coming out of angles. <laughs> He's not going to create any shot, right? And right. So I, I, looking at these player props again, I just feel like it is strictly Mitchell. Now he put a lot of energy into that last game, and I think the you, Clippers are going to be weird. You know, they know they're going to have to run different bodies at him, but Mitchell's still one of those guys, and they're going to be playing at home here. That's a tall number there at 29 and a half, but that's probably if looking at these other ones here, O'Neal, O'Neal, seven and a half. He has the ability to shoot the three, but that's when Conley's on the floor. Yeah. And Conley's really the one that's setting him up off the, the dribble drive and the, and the kick and Bogdanovich. Another one that's it, another one. we talk about fragile confidence. He fits that bill too. I think it's a superstardom. This is all star for Mitchell. We able to win this series. It's superstar status that he needs to start stepping up to. And he's fully capable of doing that. It's a tall order Pritch at 29 and a half, but looking at the rest of the players on this list, that's mm -hmm. probably the only one he's going to have to show shoulder it I think he's fully capable of doing that that's the way I'm, I'd be looking at Mitchell over that point till even though that it really is a normal number yeah it is pretty uh high uh Gobert you know that guy almost fell out he had five fouls uh, he managed it well but I mean that from a player prop standpoint I, I don't know if I can back uh Rudy uh because I don't know if he's going to last the, the full game yeah, you got to stay on the floor, right. and and then as much complaining as to the officials as he does, that you're not winning yourself any you're not winning yourself any favors when you're constantly throwing your hands up to the official thing. And they're looking at you don't have any game, you have no offensive game. We're going to give you a call. Not happening. And then on the defensive side, you know, you don't have to try to block everybody's shot, even though he did get a hand on that last second three pointer, or the last shot of the game to uh, to seal the victory for the Jazz there. You know, so you can shot fake him too. I've seen him run at players. There was a big three that he that that he didn't block out on because he was trying to to block a shot and a poor closeout from him. Yeah, can he stay on the floor and not get into foul trouble? I I don't know because I think I think the Clippers game, although they do shoot the ball very well from yeah. the three point line, I don't think we're going to see Luke Kennard stepping out there and knocking down threes the way that he did. I think it's going to have to rely on Paul George and in particular Kawhi Leonard and not from the perimeter. It's got to be drive to the basket and potentially get Gobert into foul trouble because I think they have to drive the ball relentlessly to the cup tonight. Okay, who did you say was playing old man basketball? <laughs> that would be Ingles. Ingles? He got, he's, 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 he's got the, uh, he, yeah, he's got the uh, the spiral notebook. <laughs> yeah. He's got the spiral notebook. The headband, uh, the high socks. <laughs> does he wear the high socks too? I'm going to have to no, watch he that. Doesn't. No, okay. that's Clarkson. That's Clark I don't <laughs> mind the high socks. Those are the tube socks with the stripes as we wore as kids. I'm, uh, that's fine with me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you got to have some kind of ups, man. Work on your calves. I don't know. That, that, <laughs> that, yeah, you can't jump over a phone book. And we see it when he has to put the ball on the floor. It's a struggle for Ingles. And we yeah. really see that play out when there's no Conley on the floor right cannot jump over a phone book i'm writing that one down too um yeah as long as we don't see stockton shorts i'm good uh with utah <laughs> how about this james salinas the college football playoff management committee they're going to consider expanding the college football playoffs Ooh, we get to discuss this coming up next Triple Crown Series at an end for 2021. The Ron Flatter Racing Pod looks back and looks ahead at times irreverent. Tim Wilkin 
of the Albany Times Union reflects on the five weeks in Louisville, Baltimore, and New York. Trainer Wesley Ward looks ahead to next week when he sends a string of horses to England for Royal Ascot. The Ron Flatter Racing Pod is available every Friday morning at vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. It's sponsored by First Bet. Welcome back to the show. It's Betting Across America. Mike Pritchard, James Salinas with you. Uh, so, James, uh, the news uh, dropped recently that the college football playoff management committee uh, is thinking about expanding uh, the college football playoff from four teams uh, to 12. Uh, at least that's going to be their recommendation. Now, how this works is going to go from committee to committee to committee, recommendation after recommendation. So I don't know where we're going to fall here. Uh, but your thoughts on the fact that they're at least considering expanding the college football playoffs? Got to assume that they're going to fall on finally getting there, just thinking about the money. It's all about the money, right? Or is Always. This, is this the, of course it is. So it's all about the money. And and I think eventually, however many years it takes, you're talking about committee after committee and bureaucracy having to get engaged and involved with this. Yeah, that's going to take some time. But I'm curious to see, if does that limit the number of games for teams to play during the regular season? Are you going to still be playing, what, 12 games per season? See if that impacts regular season play or not. Maybe, maybe not. Not considering you're talking about just 12 teams impacted by this, uh, I guess. When do, how does that impact all the other? What is there about 45 bowl games or however many bowl games in there? Pretty much, if you can put a, I guess if you can if you can uh, strap them on and tape them up and put your helmet on, you can put, get into a bowl game. Can't have uh, can't have that impact the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl as long as that's still intact. I think we're good because as sports betters, more bowl games out there, more games to fire on from a betting perspective. Yeah, you know, I wanted that perspective because you know you look at fcs right um i believe they have a 20 team playoff format you know maybe it changed a little bit because of covid uh do you participate at all uh, betting fcs uh football at all no, no, okay. I, I think we're getting far too down there unless we're going to start betting on the, uh, well, I run, I run some leagues here in Denver, one of my rec centers, I'll start putting numbers up on those things too with some right. amateur athletics. And that's the pure spirit of competition when you're talking about actual schools that are playing for for uh, the beauty of playing college football. Here mm-hmm. now we're talking business and it's big yeah. business. We're talking billions upon billions of dollars. I want to ask you, Pritch, mm-hmm. as a player, now you would have been in, you know, it was big eight back then, but it would have been in one of the big big power conferences, right? You would have been yeah, playing the there Yeah, the Big at CU. Eight is essentially the SEC now uh, when I played. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So thinking about that and thinking about as a player, would this would you get excited for this thinking or, or would you feel like, all right, what what am I going to get out of this as a player? We, we're going to get do I get more uh, as a player? And I'm in one of these conferences who competes and potentially could be part of that 12 team format. Does that mean more exposure for me as an individual potentially right. to, to go to the NFL or even endorsements, those kind of things? Or do you look at it the other way? Like, all right, another way for them to be able to, to make more, more and more money. Does the NCAA? on the backs of us college athletes? Um, you know, as a college athlete, I never thought of it that way, making money off the, my back uh, because I just wanted to win a championship, uh, James. And we won a national championship, 11-1-1 uh, and one record, by the way. And so that's 12 games. Uh, one of the things, though, when we won a championship, something strange did happen. Georgia Tech went undefeated. Uh, and uh, Tom Osborne and his stubbornness uh, with the coaches poll <laughs> voted for them even though they lost, you know, they did lose to Georgia Tech, but uh, they hated us, right? So we should have been the unanimous national champion, but 
Coach Osborne uh, swayed the vote uh, in the coaches' poll, so they got a vote for the national championship from the coaches' poll, even though we were the AP national champion, I think the UPI. Uh, so we got more votes or more uh, claim to the national championship than Georgia Tech. But yet, you know, I feel like we're incomplete because I would have loved to have the chance to settle that, though. I would have loved to have faced Georgia Tech uh, in the playoffs. Or even Nebraska and play them again. I remember that game. You guys went in there. Wasn't it just pouring rain in that game? Yeah. What a what a contest that was. But, yeah, of course. Uh, I didn't think that. I thought, according to Nebraska, that that was not the real rivalry with CU. That <laughs> was not the rival. But, obviously, it was when it came to voting. Right. Uh, that, that's where, and that's where you hope, that from this standpoint here, yeah, you take the subjectivity out of it. Although, mm-hmm. now, when it, all right, now we've got 12 teams, and it's, well, why we need 16 teams. And pretty soon, kind of like the March Madness, who are going, we need more than 64 and now 68 and who knows how many more going forward but to that standpoint you get 12 teams in there there's extra games more games for us as sports betters to to get engaged and i think uh, more meaningful games too because look if you win your conference or you win your side of the conference you could probably get an automatic bid if uh, you win more games than your other opponents okay you could qualify for a wild card so uh, i think it does keep the season competitive we'll see where they go with this committee after committee after committee Uh, but we got to get back to major league baseball and that controversies players are are speaking up uh will that affect our betting that's coming up next feature on vcin.com every day we're posting the latest betting splits on every game in major sports with uh, current odds and what percentage of bets and money are being placed on each game check this info daily to find out which games are seeing the most tickets written and if that matches the money coming in on those games which is sure to give you a betting edge and of course we have all the odds data and analysis for every game as well start your next sports bet at vcin.com Welcome back to the show, Betting Across America. We are presented by BetMGM. Mike Pritchard, James Salinas, your host today. James, uh, from a betting perspective, listen to these comments from Pete Alonzo. Um, he accuses Major League Baseball of altering, altering the balls, basically, which they have. Uh, the biggest concern is Major League Baseball manipulates baseballs year in and year out, depending on the free agency class. Uh, so he goes on uh, to speak about this, uh, that it's a fact that, yes, guys have talked about it, meaning players. Uh, it's not a coincidence. Uh, it's definitely something that they did. So he pointed out to the developments of juicing the ball uh, in a 2019 season uh, in which seven of the top 10 free agents were pitchers. Uh, so uh, are the owners conspiring here to keep their numbers down in order not to pay them? And then now here we have hitters. A lot of hitters are going to be free agents, uh, and they've deadened the baseball. Uh, so uh, I don't know. Obviously, the players don't trust the owners and Major League Baseball right now. They had a new CBA coming up to you. Uh, they're going to have to negotiate James. And so that more turbulence for baseball. And so from a betting perspective, where do you go with this? 
Kurt Flood. I mean, you think about you think about collusion in baseball. There's precedence for it. Of right. course, there is. It, it's just so yeah. Let's try to as best they can to keep salaries down, and we'll doctor the baseballs when we know these free agents coming out are, are whether it's hitters or pitchers, respectively, and. Do we doubt that? I, I don't doubt it. Why wouldn't? Why, we, we've seen it before, and and I think here from Pete Alonso's perspective, yeah, it's whether it's the baseball or it's, I mean, we we've seen it with players, and yeah, the Major League Baseball back what twenty years ago or so when all the home runs were all of a sudden now just flying out twenty five years ago. It's been quite a while, but uh, thinking about the days with Sosa and McGuire and and Bonds and all of that, they had to do something to curb that because now these, I think statistics are 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 big part of baseball and and records and it's kind of the not only the history but i think it's it's kind of the charm of baseball from because it has been around for so long but now you're talking about these things coming into play year after year with with whether it's i think it's the the fact that there's no transparency Pritch, and I think that's what makes it hard, and the fact that we're going to bet on these things. So yeah, we right. can, if we're going to bet on these things, then then you have to you you hold yourself accountable for that. We can't complain about it. I can't sit here and complain if I'm betting baseball games and complain that they're doing these things. That's my choice, and it's, it's I decide that I want to bet in, going into this, knowing full well that there's a history where it is currently, but also there's been plenty of history, whether it's collusion with owners uh, throughout the league and or with players. When we're talking about cork bats, all these different things that have happened and transpired over the years yeah I, I, the the if you're not te- cheating you ain't trying kind of thing i get it too but it doesn't mean you have to bet it but for those of us that's if we're betting that's what we do and we have to accept the fact that this is part of the game and then be a little more diligent when it comes to what aspects of this game because there are so many different things to bet we're not just betting on a team to to win a game out over nine innings there's so many other avenues and i think that's the key pritch knowing all these things and the history behind it how do you want to approach betting these games if you are going to get involved and there's plenty of different ways and different angles to come at it yeah absolutely um the phillies just walked off the braves uh they went four to three in 10 innings they had the throwbacks james uh i was disappointed because uh atlanta didn't have their throwbacks either but uh philly uh, uh the phillies uh they win that game uh, against the braves that just goes final so let's preview some games here on the schedule coming up uh the giants and the nationals um the nationals um you know, it's interesting about them right now. They're minus 175 in this game at home, seven and a half to total. Uh, but uh, on the fence here with the Nationals because of uh, talk about Scherzer and uh, are they going to be buyers or sellers? Probably leaning closer to sellers here. Uh, James, where do you stand with this game? I think they and they could potentially be sellers. You yeah. know, they got their World Series a couple years ago, and now the pitching staff is falling apart. Strasburg on the shelf. Well, I don't know what you're going to get out of Strasburg anymore, mm. unfortunately. I mean, they had to go with John Lester to try to resurrect something out of him to right. fill out the rotation. And, and with Scherzer, I mean, Scherzer's he's still an ace. He's still a stud out there. And what kind of what can he command when you're getting close to that trade deadline? Yeah, you, you think about where the the Nationals are, and I think they were they weren't they weren't going to be they were not definitely not favorite in a really competitive division in the NL East. I think top to bottom, it's the most competitive division in baseball. Uh, but where they at now, they're sitting eight games under 500, and with your ace going on out there, that's, aside from him, they really haven't been able to, you got a few pieces with Soto, but, you know, maybe this is the time to sell. I kind of agree with you. I think they will be, potentially be the sellers rather than the buyers when we get there, but you know, we still got a month plus to get to that point. But as far as this number is concerned, I mean, San Francisco, who would have thought that San Francisco, at least from a win perspective, 
percentage <laughs> standpoint that they would have the best record in baseball. And, and you know, good for them. Good for them for a team like San Francisco that still has some veteran leadership and holdovers from those World Series win, you know, teams of, of roughly, you know, eight, seven, eight, nine years ago when they were winning every other year. Still got some of those guys in that clubhouse. And I think they show the younger guys an interesting talent there. You Stremsey, I think he'll be back. Yeah, he's been out for a while, but him coming back, I think that sets the tone for the younger guys. This is how we prepare ourselves, preparation leading up to games and what it looks like to be a professional because we've been there, we've done that, and we've won it this way. And I think good for the Giants. Sitting there at 38 and 23, 15 games over 500. Now, Discalfani, he's kind of regressed a little bit, kind of expected that was coming. Uh, But it's good to see some uh, some of these teams and some of these players still out there being able to not only play well and compete, they're not going to be back to their glory days of winning the World Series, but I think that speaks to leadership, Pritchett. I love players and teams like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Scherzer's on the bump right now uh, for, he will be for the Nationals. Uh, maybe that's why that price minus 175. I was just thinking as you were talking about the Giants, uh, wouldn't he look great with the Giants right now? Or, or later on in the year when the Nationals become sellers? Uh, especially in that ball, bar, ballpark out right. there in San Francisco. That is definitely a pitcher's park. So, yeah, continuing where the Giants. I don't know if the Giants expected to get there, although I'm sure the players did, especially veteran leaders and winners like you have there with Posey and Crawford and Belt and a few others. Yeah, I, that's kind of a, a – the number's actually coming down now. I see it uh-huh. down at 170 and plus 145 back for the Giants, 140, 145. Yeah, be tempted to go with the Giants here because of that, but I'm not going to go against Scherzer here in this spot. Yeah, it's hard to go against him and some interesting games to Toronto uh, and uh, White Sox uh, about 30 seconds. Uh, you have a play on this one? Yeah, I was looking at the, the pitcher props. You know, I like those. Dallas Keuchel, he's up at, see, he's juiced to the over, 17 and a half outs. Basically got to go six innings here against the one of the hotter teams in baseball when it comes to hitting. Blue Jays, I'm going to go against them. I'm going to go under 17 and a half outs, laying a dollar five for Keuchel. I don't think he goes through six innings against one of the better hitting teams in baseball. All right, well said right there. Uh, Jonathan Von Tobel, our senior NBA expert. He joins the program to help us out with NBA playoffs. It's next. up with uh, BetMGM and turn a $1 wager on the Clippers or Jazz into 100 if either team hits a three. Just use bonus code VSIN100 when you sign up with the King of Sportsbooks. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com for more details and make sure to use promo code VSIN100. It's a new customer offer paid and free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be at least 21. Located in Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., or West Virginia. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, 1-800-522-4700, Colorado, Nevada, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. 1-800-270-7117 for help in Michigan. 800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line, 800-889-9789. In Indiana, it's 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Welcome back to the show. 
Betting Across America, presented by BetMGM. Mike Pritchard, James Salinas, your host today. Uh, happy to bring on to the program right now our senior NBA expert, Jonathan Von Tobel. JVT, how are you? guys? Good, man. Hey, we got two good games, fascinating games and series things uh, later today. So I'm very excited, ready to go. Yeah, a great call by you the last time we had you on the show with the overreaction statement. Uh, the Harden injury news, we saw that line shift to where Milwaukee was a road favorite, I believe. And uh, you, I mean, you were all over that. Uh, great call, uh, great information as well. But we do have Milwaukee as a favorite now, three and a half. Uh, that total, 234. Where are you at with this game? So, look, I think we talk about overreactions and whatnot. I think the, the market is is a little weird with this series, Pritch, right? So they, the, they right, the, the betting market, mm-hmm. overreacts to the loss of Harden in game two. It makes Milwaukee a road favorite, and ultimately they get blown out. But it's not about the result, right? It's about the number. And so up to this point in the NBA postseason, it seems like the market has factored in home court advantage to about two and a half points. So if we keep that in mind and we look at a number at three and a half, the market's telling you that Milwaukee's a point better than Brooklyn. And that's just not the case for me, right? And I get it. The team down 2 nothing, going back home, you, we, we know the situation. Uh, the team generally responds very well, uh, right, in these kind of situations. But again, from a value standpoint, from, from where you power rate these teams, I power rate Brooklyn as the better team. This should not be three and a half. Uh, this should be pick. This should be Brooklyn minus one. So I took a little bit of Brooklyn plus three and a half here. You, you know, I think we know at this point right now, and if you don't, you're paying a pretty big tax because of the situation Milwaukee's in right now. This is just too high for me. But I power rate Brooklyn as a better team. And if, and if home court's worth two and a half, this number telling you that Milwaukee's a point better on a neutral, and that's just not the case. JVT, let's think about the tempo of the game and the the total sitting at 234 and a half. Now, now Brooklyn's done their part in the first two games to to get to those high totals that the game one and game two were at, but it's been Milwaukee. It's been their offense really struggling. Chris Middleton in particular not shooting the ball well at all, and Giannis really feeling like he's got to carry the load. But anytime Giannis has to kind of facilitate or run to get his own shots, everybody else kind of gets stagnant. We haven't seen a lot of assists. There were more turnovers for the Bucks in game two than there were assists and just really kind of stagnant a lot of ball watching on offense do you think as far as this total is concerned at 234 and a half with Milwaukee going back home yeah maybe they'll shoot a little bit better but I don't know about the ball movement I don't know if that changes just from the venue so where do you stand with this total going into game three so I would generally think that it's probably going to be higher scoring than the first two games we saw, James, mainly because you kind of hit it on the head, right? You, you would expect there is going to be some better offense from Milwaukee, whether it's the three-point shooting that hasn't been there for the first two games, uh, whether it has been just Giannis and this team overall just perfecting what they're doing offensively. You know, we've seen a lot of Giannis ball handler pick and roll stuff. It's like, how about you set some screens, right? It's a lot easier, or excuse me, it's a lot harder for you as a defense to guard Giannis if he's a screener and a roll man as opposed to the guy in control of the ball in those types of situations. We have seen Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, you know, settle for a lot of those jump shots as you kind of referred to there as opposed to working some matchups and getting easier matchups for yourself, right? Like those are the kind of things that you would expect there would be some adjustments and have this team from an offensive standpoint kind of fix what's going on with them. The problem is Mike Budenholzer, and the reason why he will likely get fired if they lose this series is the fact that he just fails to make adjustments, right? We heard all throughout the regular season about their defense and how they're trying things out, how they're switching things more, and yet we watched the Brooklyn Nets run pick and rolls with Brooke Lopez planted firmly in the paint, playing drop coverage and refusing to switch on a lot of these matchups. Like He's just reverted back to all the same old things that we have seen. So while I would expect some regression to the mean in terms of the shooting for Milwaukee, 
overall, can you expect Milwaukee to make the adjustments in terms of their offensive game plan to actually have more success? And Bud's pass kind of turns me off of that. So I think you just get, you know, the statistical regression from this offense, but enough to push this over the total is what kind of worries me. The pace is there. Game one, they had, I think, 104 possessions between the two of them each. So, you know, it's going to be a little bit of an up and down game, but I just don't know if I trust Bud to make the adjustments to push this team to the point where you're going to feel comfortable betting over a high total like that. Yeah, you know, too, I think when you look at player props, uh, JVT in this matchup, uh, KD, he's a scorer. I mean, he's going to be looking to score. You know, so you look at 32 and a half, you're comfortable with that. Uh, Giannis at 33 and a half. Uh, I'm curious on your thoughts. So what, what type of player is Giannis right now? I mean, he, he, to me, he's different than what he was in a regular season when it comes to the playoffs. And, and so it carries over for last, from last year as well in the bubble. Well, it's, you know what drives me nuts, Pritch, about Giannis is, you know, like watch him today, and hopefully they eliminate this today. But again, kind of going back to adjustments, this isn't even adjustment. This is just decision-making. You know, if he takes another pull-up three in transition, what are we doing? Right. right. Like you are a guy who attacks off the bounce and attacks within four feet of the basket. But a lot of these possessions where he is settling for jump shots and like mid-range attempts and like it just doesn't make any sense in the world that Blake Griffin, who's on half a leg, right, who's an old man at 32 years old in the NBA, but like right has like rediscovered a lot of what he's done defensively, especially playing the small ball five. He's matched up very well with Giannis because Giannis is allowing him to do so. So I'm really, I've been perplexed by the decision-making overall of Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. And so that's why I kind of think that you'll see a little bit of a better effort for the most part. So, you know, maybe you look over on some of those points, Mm -hmm. but the problem, Pritch, and I'd I'd always, I always go back to this line of thinking as an odds maker, you are always going to bake those totals a little bit higher than they probably should be because you know, you're going to get overs on stars like Kevin Durant, like Giannis Antetokounmpo. So more often than not, there's value in betting those things under as opposed to over. JVT, let's talk about a team, at least for me, that I'm perplexed by trying to figure out uh, from a, from a game to game standpoint for Ty for for Tyron Lewis, what he's going to do with his team, in particular the bench and who's coming off the bench. What are the matchup? We saw playoff Rondo. Well, at least we saw Rondo play in the playoffs in Game One. A lot of minutes coming off the bench for the Clippers, and I didn't really understand it. And then we saw, you know, the Jazz didn't shoot the ball well in the first quarter, and and ultimately were able to come back and really a different. Jazz team in that third in that third quarter and took control of the game. Uh, actually, I just saw the number move down. It was in favor of the Jazz at three. It has moved down just recently to two and a half with the total sitting at two twenty two and a half. I don't know what's going to come off the Clippers bench tonight. I don't know where to go with this game. Where do you stand with game two in this matchup? So I think Tyloo de- definitely James had a poor game one, right? You know, if you look at, I think what happened was. And look, Tyler's not a perfect coach, but we do have to give him credit for some of the adjustments he made in that Dallas Mavericks series, right? Going small, playing Nick Batum at the five, uh, allowing the the Clippers to then take advantage uh, of the lineups that the Dallas Mavericks were throwing out there. But overall, when you look at this, like, I would agree with you. It was a very poor game one, and it was almost like he thought, hey, this worked against Dallas. Let's see if it works here. And that's not the case, right? So I would think we're going to see less of Patrick Beverly. I think we're going to see more of Terrence Mann. We're going to see more Nick Batum, which I don't know why he just disappeared from the rotation in the second half. It was kind of weird in that regard. And, and less Rondo. Like, Rondo, in terms of that offense, how many times did you see him run a pick and roll and get into space in the middle of the floor and just like, nah, nah, and then just pull it back out? Like, it was just wasted offense. So I would agree with you. I think Ty Lue has shown us 
that he's willing to make adjustments, especially in that first round. I expect more here today, and I expect a better effort overall from L.A. I mean, you know, James, you and I have talked about this. You're very good with the situations. It's a very poor situation for L.A., right? Playing in a game seven on a Friday, getting only one day off, then having to go to Utah in that kind of a home environment in the altitude to play a game one for a team that has been rested and ready for you, that's a very tough situation. Marcus Morris shoots one and nine. He's a 40% three-point shooter. Paul George goes four or 17. Reggie Jackson has foul trouble, which didn't help Ty Lue in terms of his decision-making either because he loves Reggie Jackson and he wasn't available. So I think all of those kind of come back to the mean here a little bit, and you get a much better effort in a much better situation for the Clippers. So I, I think they're very live here. You know, I bet them before the series that they're going to win this thing. I got, I got it at plus 140 before game one. Still have confidence that they're going to win this thing, and I think tonight's a very good situation for them to take one and take home court. It's not Clipper fan confidence, though, JVT, right? Uh, no, not okay. really. I mean, you, you can, <laughs> potentially, right? But, like, right. you know, Pritch, like, they, they, I wrote about this this week in Pointsford Weekly. They, they check all the boxes of a team that you would like, right? Mm-hmm. And I get it. It's it's the Clippers, and nobody has trust in what happened last year. But if you were to strip off the logo, and I were to just put out in front of you, this is what this team has. This is a 40% shooting team. They have a dominant two-way player who's a great wing scorer in Kawhi Leonard. right? If, you, if I gave you everything except for the name, the Los Angeles Clippers, I think a lot of people would realize, like, hey, that's a pretty damn good team and right. potentially one of the best ones in the West conference so no i i really have a lot of faith that everything you see in terms of the statistical profile of the clippers will ultimately win out in this series and in the western conference all right he's our uh, vsin senior uh nba expert uh clipper is looking at him right now to win in five 14 to one to win in six plus 550 uh even seven plus 500 some good prices right there for a good team uh if you look at the uh, la clippers jvt that was awesome thanks again man Always, uh, always appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, that was awesome. Um, just some great insight, as, as always, James. Uh, we got to get to this, though, because the Golden Knights, uh, they're ticked up again, minus 138. I don't know if it's going to stop right there. When we started the show, they were minus 134. Uh, still no developments or, or news about Bednar either, uh, James. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. As far as the coach is concerned, we've talked about that. Hopefully, just from his health and safety standpoint, he's in a good place, and and it's a a false positive, what have you. Not seeing any numbers tick out here in favor of the Avalanche. We're not seeing that number move, but it's probably most likely, Pritch, because it's here and it's local. And I think if that line moved any more favorably for the Avalanche, uh, you'd see you'd definitely see the fans get involved. Oh, yeah. I'm a fan of neither team. I'm a fan of cash and tickets, and I've like I said, we got myself out of the the Avs tickets and I think the game is I think the series is over tonight Vegas closes them out not the, the, the talent wise yeah Avs have it but as far as coming out here with any confidence that was lost I think that was lost really in game three. okay so we do have developments uh Mike Chambers uh, from the NHL uh cleared uh Bednar is cleared to go but yet still a distraction perhaps uh for that team a uh, great job it man. was earlier yeah enjoy the game uh, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the reaction Thanks, sir.